Hey, it's Michael back for another Lego Masters Season 4 postseason deep dive on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters. Today, I was lucky enough to get to sit down with Emily and Kelly to break down their time on the show. And these postseason deep dives have really been a blast, so I can't wait to talk to the rest of your favorite contestants. So be sure to stay tuned in your podcast feed for all of that. And without further ado, here's my interview with Emily and Kelly. Well, just when you thought the fun of these postseason deep dives was over, uh, it's never over. We're going to keep going forever. And I had to bring on another one of your favorite teams. You know and love them. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Kelly and Emily. Emily, obviously, we've had you before, but now it's your postseason deep dive. So say hello to everyone. Yeah, thank you, Michael. I'm so excited to be back and especially be back with Kelly. Yeah, thank you for having us. This is going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. I, I, the pleasure is literally all mine. I'm just so thrilled to like, I know, like this keeps like the Lego Masters, like my love of it alive is getting to hear all of your great stories. So um just so excited to be talking to the two of you. But um, why don't we jump in to just like your love of Lego? You know, I think a lot of times when people even think to be eligible for this show, you need to sort of be like a super fan of Lego. And obviously, Kelly, we'll, we'll start with you. I've, I've seen some unbelievable creations of yours, including one that's sitting right now in Bill and Denmark in the Lego house. But but what took your Lego love to that next level that you'd even like be sort of like at that next echelon to go on a show like Lego Masters? Yeah, that's a good question. I have loved Lego building my whole life. So I got into it when I was really young, when I was four, um, and I grew up playing it with my brother and um, kind of got out of it like a lot of people do and got back into it when I had my own kids and discovered new sets, new pieces, and just um, really enjoyed building, but it was still sets at that point. And it wasn't until about three years ago that I started making my own creations. And so I was a set builder forever and haven't been building mocks for that long. Um, but it just, when I started making my own things, I started very small and just kind of got the hang of it and it just clicked. It felt like, like an art, I guess. And I'm, I've always been kind of a creative person and I've liked different types of artistic outlets. And this was just another one. Um, that I just like, I don't know, I just really took to it. So I started making small <laughs> things and, I started making bigger things and then I, I was sharing them on social media. Um, and I think that's how it got the attention of some of the casting agents for Lego Masters. Amazing. And it's good. It's good for me. I'm primarily a set builder, but I feel like I could make that transition. If Kelly can do it and be unbelievable, <laughs> you, then I can do it. Um, but <laughs> but Emily, what about you? Like, you know, what took your love of Lego to the next level? Building my first set with my son was like my eyes were open to it. And then <laughs> I created the product, the tray, which is like a building tray for kids compatible with Lego. And I just started building on that. And my marketer was like, you need to get into Lego so you can start promoting yourself. And then I just fell in love with the community and the people and the creativeness of it. I'm a hobbyist. So I jump from one hobby to another relatively quickly. <laughs> I do a lot of things averagely, but I go so hard into them that I like explode. Like I just started Lego in 2021 and here I am, you know, with an entire room dedicated to this hobby, quote unquote, that's now my full-time job. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. If you, would, if you would have told me earlier that it was only since 2021, I would have never believed you, um, but that's so exciting. Um, and so like you mentioned, Kelly, it seems like uh, the casting process reached out to you, but you know, but what was your, what was your story about getting cast on the show? Yeah. So the casting agents first reached out to me for season two and they said, are you interested? And I said, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
said, no, thank you. And that was it. And then they reached out again for season three and I thought about it and I didn't know who I could be partners with. So we talked about some partner ideas and, you know, I had grown up playing it with our, my Lego sets with my brother. And so I said, maybe my brother. Um, so he and I did an interview together for season three. Um, and they just, they didn't like us together. And I interviewed, um, <laughs> with, I also interviewed with my daughter, um, because she's 18 and, you know, we thought it'd be really fun to have a, a mother daughter team. Um, but they didn't like us together either. So it was interesting, the journey that Emily and I had to, to actually come together because we interviewed with other people first. And so it was kind of a long process, um, to get on the show. And then eventually they, we got to the point where they said, you're going on. It was very exciting. <laughs> Kelly and her daughter would have been the cutest mom and daughter team ever. And unfortunately, Kelly got paired with me. And also, fortunately, is what I mean. Because our dynamic just ended up working out well. So I didn't have a lot of people that I had a lot of people that I was interviewing with, and they didn't like our dynamic. And they ultimately were like, do you know Kelly Bartlett? I'm like, who doesn't know Kelly Bartlett? Like, <laughs> is amazing. I used to have a hashtag called build like Bartlett dedicated to Kelly before I even really knew her. That's how impressed oh I gosh. was with her. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it almost feels like fate, you know, in some ways that brought the two of you together. It was so funny because the way we met too, like we, we knew each other before the show, but the way we met was Emily sending me messages on Instagram. Our first message literally said, will you be my best friend? <laughs> Like, I don't really know what to, how to respond to that, but okay. She was like, this lady's a little bit wacko. So I'm just going to be like, of course, sweetie. I hope you have a nice day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's better to say yes. Cause you know, if you had said no, you would have just upset Emily and exactly. you know, we, we don't want to see her that way. Yeah. yeah. Like the doors open. <laughs> well, and open they did. So, you know, now you're, now you're paired up, you know, Emily obviously brought that special something that your, you know, less TV friendly relatives did not. Uh, but <laughs> but now you're you're paired together. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, who listen to the show, they are preparing perhaps themselves to go on the show. And so what did the two of you do to get ready? You know, once once you, you know, knew you'd be part of the show, you know, was there anything that you did to like make sure you were in tip top shape? The funniest part for me is that I was like looking to Kelly for building help because she is Kelly started building already really great and then she just got greater. It's not like she had a build that was like bad <laughs> to begin with. Like mine were bad to good. Hers were like really good to great. And so I did talk to her a lot about like, what would you do on this? And then I learned to do things. Honestly, I played to my strengths and Kelly's weaknesses and vice versa. I believe we knew what each other were good at. I like to build big sculptures. That's not Kelly's forte. She does really beautiful, intricate details. And so I really worked on what I was good at already and just tried to enhance it as well as really focusing on technique and movement because I knew that was something neither one of us had known much about and we were going <laughs> to have to be good on the show. And oftentimes I watch the show and it feels like the female teams for some reason struggle with movement and I did not want to be there. I wanted to go in and feel like just a badass movement chick that was just like <laughs> able to come in and just like do epic movements. 
And you definitely did. I mean, I think we saw you take the lead, you know, in the Cirque du Soleil challenge, in the roller coaster challenge with some of those mechanisms. So I, I definitely could tell that you were sort of leading the charge on those things, even watching the show. But Kelly, was there anything you did? Obviously, it sounds like you had nothing to brush up on. But if you did, was there something you looked up? <laughs> right. According to Emily, I was already perfect. So <laughs> no. it's true. <laughs> no, no. This is what I tell people is I practiced all the time. Like Emily and I both did. And I remember we would send each other pictures of little builds that we were working on just say, Hey, look at what I'm trying right now. And what would you do differently? And, um, you know, just give each other encouragement, but we got, got us talking. And like Emily said, figuring out each other's strengths and what we could each bring to the table to complement each other in terms of our building, but also in terms of our personalities too, because we knew that we were paired together because of our opposite personalities. So <laughs> each of us has strengths in building and in what we bring to the TV show. And so we prepared a lot with our, our technique, obviously, but also with um, just our communication and trying to, you know, figure out how we how we are going to work the best that we can together on the show. Makes sense. Um, and I think that's a piece of it, to your point, that maybe people don't think about enough is like, you know, you're, is, you know, to be on the show is to be one of these characters. They're going to look to you for that as well. And how do you sort of be ready for it so that it doesn't it doesn't become an issue? Because I think it can be like the TV show of it all. Uh, right. If you will. Yeah. And we, you know, we were friends going in and we decided that we wanted to stay friends. <laughs> like we wanted to stay friends <laughs> coming out too of the show, no matter how far we went on the show or how well we did. But we wanted to be friends afterwards. So we talked a lot about that. Um, and I don't know, just really just use that time to get to know each other. But then also, like Emily said, we practiced a lot. <laughs> well, uh, practice makes perfect. Um, but why don't we start then with the, your time on the show? So our first episode was the Brick Lake Challenge. And your build was, of course, entitled Victory. And, you know, this, though, is also your first time on set. So what was that experience like? You know, you've been doing this prep. You've even thought about what it would be like to be on the show together. But now you're there. You're on set. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. It was really surreal for me. I was already crying before we even started. When Amy and Jamie walked out, I was like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, I'm here with them. Like, this is so <laughs> crazy. And just like the lights and the camera, like you see it on TV, but it is so different, like butterflies in your stomach. You kind of feel like you're going to barf, but you're like excited and nervous. <laughs> and like, I've never built with Kelly before. We had talked a lot about how we were going to build, but like you've never done it. And on camera, you have to be on, you have production, you have hair, makeup, everyone's like, you need to be on for the camera, on for your building, on for the judges, on for Will. Like there's a lot of things. It's exhausting. Even the first episode, I was like, whoo. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was very overwhelming, I would say. Just all of the things that Emily mentioned, there's just a lot on your plate and you just don't know what to expect. So that first walk-in was really nerve-wracking. I'm sure it was for everyone. It was for me, for sure. And thankfully, we got to do the walk-in multiple times. And you don't, you don't know that watching the show, but it's not just <laughs> the one time where they open the door and you walk in and, and there's your challenge and you just go. You walk in and get set in your spots that they tell you to and then they say, okay, let's do it again. And so we did it several times. And by the by the time we actually like, it was like fourth or fifth time we walked in and then actually we got the challenge, but like it gave us a little bit to kind of get our bearings and look around and just get a sense of where we were, which, which helped. Um, and then it was time for the challenge. So I, everything about that first episode was just so nerve wracking. 
Uh, but also exciting, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, it, it gave you that final chance to see what you could do. Um, but this first challenge, you know, was all about creating this boat. Um, you had to put sort of yourself into the build and create a boat, which we'd never seen on the show before. But how did the two of you approach this challenge? You know, it's your first challenge. So how did you think about coming up with your concept, the division of labor, all those things that go into, you know, taking it from start to finish? I think we knew we wanted to do something that like met me and Kelly together and we are so different. So it was like finding similarities was not as easy as you think, but also not as hard as you think. Cause we both like sports. We both like games. We're both super competitive. So we just went that route on this first one. We had a couple of different concepts, but then we're like, Oh, that one's laying too flat. We have, when, when I would watch back the show, I would always be like, build big, build huge, build exactly how they, they tell you to build a boat, build a huge boat. And so <laughs> that's ultimately what I kept telling Kelly. And I was like, just, we gotta be big and it's gotta look like a boat. Cause oftentimes they say like, build a spaceship and it's like so random, it's not really a spaceship. And then you get dinged for that. So I was like, it's gotta look like a boat and it's gotta be big. But then watching back, Ultimately, it didn't need to be so big and it could have been a little more creative, I think, to our wheelhouse. Well, that was really hard because <clears throat> because they tell you to go big. They stress that in every challenge. They say they the judges like it to be big. So we knew we wanted to go big. We knew that that looked good on TV, too, is we were trying to talk about the differences between building mocks for yourself at home, building mocks that are going to be shown as a photograph on Instagram or on social media building mocks that are going to be shown at a convention. And then there's this, which is building mocks for TV. And they're all different. Like we didn't, we didn't know really how to do this yet. So we're still like figuring out how do we build a mock that looks good on TV. And for both of us, that meant you need some size and you need some color. And so we were, we found our theme um, right away and we were talking about going big. Um, so the, the idea of levels uh, just jumped out at us that we would make each level a different theme of our our game night boat. Um, but it took us a little bit of time to get there. Yeah. I mean, and you really, you know, you know, despite some of the, you know, criticism of the build around the details, there really was a lot packed into those different levels. You know, you had one level, which was the tennis court. You had another one that had those giant brick built turtles, like kind of like in a Hungry Hungry Hippos-esque game. And then, you know, you had the second tier, which was like sort of like the lounge video game TV area, you know, so there really was a lot of elements packed into this. Um, but uh, it was also fun to sort of see your dynamic on the show. You know, Kelly, you, you said on the show, you know, we're yin and yang, you know, and uh, and you also said, Emily is a social butterfly wanting to talk to all the teams. She loves everyone. Um, you know, so what was it like, you know, Emily, for you? Because it seems like, you know, they uh, they opened those doors and they were literally unleashing you onto the set. <laughs> I just knew I if I like was going to be there, I was going to be 100 percent true to myself. And that was going to be that I came in and tried to build the best I could, but also be who I am, which is friends to people and supportive of other people. And I wanted people to do good. Obviously, you want people to get eliminated because you want to stay there longer. But I wanted them <laughs> to get eliminated at their best. And we were just a little bit better. Does that make sense? Like if it. Yeah. So I just knew I wanted and we had already been with the cast for like a week. And I knew I just already love those people. I love hard and fast. And I just fall in love with people really easily. And so <laughs> I was just like, these are my family already. And I so I yeah, I wanted to know what they were building. I still built a lot of that boat. But if you look on Reddit, I did nothing. <laughs> well, I'm sure that wasn't the case. Um, but 
There was a lot of, of cool details. Like I loved, especially like the the um, front of the boat with all the flags, the way that you had had that curved around. Was there anything else that stood out to you from this build that, you know, you were particularly proud of? I love what Kelly did. So on the side of the boat, we had windows and then Kelly put these like till blue bricks behind it just so that you couldn't see what was going on in the inside. But it looked like a cruise ship. It looked mm -hmm. like a yacht cruise ship mix. It looked like something I would want to be on. I don't know why it got so much flag because I loved it. I was like, it's huge. It's colorful. It's bright. It's a boat I would want to party on. Yeah, it was. I, I really liked the front of the boat. Emily did that. And I don't think they showed that enough on the episode because it really was a great shape. Um, and the great technique that she used with the the hoses and the clips to create this rounded look. Cause we were talking about, we we're like, what does the front of a boat look like? And it's, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a boxy square. So she worked on making it not only rounded, but angled back. And I remember she tried several variations of those clips and the flags that were on there. And the ones she ended up with, I thought it was great. Like I thought the, it was a great front of the boat and the, combined with the sides with the windows. I really liked that. So <laughs> And then looking at other people's boats, like I'm like, I could have spent less time doing that beautiful front and just made a square because multiple yeah. people who didn't get yeah. in trouble for their square boat. Yeah, next so time I'm just going to build a square. For, for that first <laughs> challenge, especially, we didn't, it was hard to know what was most important to the judges. Actually, that was probably hard to know throughout the whole season, but <laughs> we're like, Okay, so they give you a list of things they want from your build, but what really is most important to them? What do they value most? Like, where should we spend our time? And that's something, I mean, that first challenge, especially, we did not know what to what to really focus on and what to let go because it was taking too much time. So it was a, that, it was a huge learning curve, that challenge. Yeah, and, and it is for every team. And I think that's why we loved in some ways in the first two seasons that nobody went home on the first challenge. And now, you know, the newer format sort of has someone go home in the first challenge, which, mm -hmm. you know, listen, I, I'm often team TV, like whatever makes better TV. But as a contestant, I have to imagine that it would be much nicer to be able to have like a moment to, you know, get your bearings <laughs> if you would. Yeah, exactly. um, but, um, but then we also saw the float test. So you're, you know, you're floating and you run into the wall, the, the, the top two tiers sort of fall down. What was that moment like driving the boat? Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we wanted to do was have some fun. Here's the story on that. That was a very long judging procedure. We were up there for about three hours standing there um, doing the whole judging. Um, my feet hurt. My back hurt. I, You know, every time someone put a boat out, it was like, what would you say, Emily? Like 20 minutes before they we got it all cleaned up and got the next one out. And like we needed to sit down and have water breaks. And it was taking forever. And everyone was being so careful with their trigger. I had a chance to test drive the boat. So I got the chance to try the trigger, do the steering, which was different for me because I wasn't used to steering a remote control vehicle on the side. Maybe that's how a lot of them are. And I just don't have a lot of experience doing that, but it was on the <laughs> side. I'm like, okay, I get it. This is right and left. Here's the trigger. And you got to test it a little bit to see how fast it would go, depending on how hard you pulled it. And so during the judging, they said, make a lap around the lake. And everyone was going so slow because no one wanted to crash. And so it was like, Tiny, the tiniest pulls of their trigger to just make it go a little bit, a little bit. And it's taking <laughs> so long for everyone to get around the lake. And I'm like, just go, like, just have fun with it. Just go. And I'm like, I'm going to go. And so like, that's what I did. I'm like, and I thought I could turn and it didn't, but I didn't really care because it was great. And it had, we have good material and it should be fun. And honestly, I wasn't worried about our, you know, how that would affect our judging because they didn't say 
they said it doesn't, it's, if you, if your boat doesn't float or if it crashes, that's not necessarily going to send you home. I'm like, okay. So I just tried to have faith in our build and, you know, our time there on that episode of the show to know that it wasn't going to affect us. And we just laughed and we, we were laughing. So and I mean, I had a good time. <laughs> and I think for me, that was like when I got in with Will Arnett, because I had said, who doesn't love a topless boat party? Huh? Isn't that good? <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't make it on TV, but that's funny. Michael, keep that in this podcast. That's funny. It'll, I, I'll leave it in the podcast. Don't worry. Um, well, you know, unfortunately, when we get to the results of this episode, you find yourselves in the bottom two. Um, thankfully, you're not the team that was eliminated. But, but you know, now you're heading into the second episode, having gone through this bottom two experience. experience like, what is that like, sort of giving yourself that, you know, push you need to just keep going and, and come back from this? I think at that point, Kelly and I just looked at each other and said, we have to pick one of the three things. It's got to be polished, big, or finished. Were those the things, Kelly? Polished, big, or finished. And polished, so we yeah. polished big finish. And like, we just kind of had to pick which ones we were going for. So we made sure on this challenge, it was polished and finished. We didn't care if it was the biggest one out there because we already did that with the boat. And so we knew going into the next one that we were always every episode, we were thinking, what of the two out of the three things can we accomplish? on this Well, boat? and the feedback they gave us at the end of that was that we didn't have enough detail in our boat. So that was, that's what I like to do is like, I, if you see some of my mocks that I build, I love to get um, little detail um, builds in there. And we, we, you know, being the first challenge, the time is, is stressful. Having that clock ticking down, you, you don't really know what you're doing. So we didn't get to add the details that we were hoping for. So for the second challenge, we kind of regrouped and talked about what was most important. And we said, we have to make time to get some details in there. Yeah. Well, you know, this next challenge was pretty fun. The Catropolis challenge and kittens are everywhere. You know, uh, are the two of you cat people? Were you excited to see the kittens on set? Yes, I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the best. Well, first of all, I didn't have my glasses on. So I look over at Kelly. I'm like, what are those rats, guinea pigs? And she's like, kids. And I'm like, kids. Um, and so we're, we're both animal people. Like we love animals. We love all creatures, creepy crawly, all the things. We really do love them. And so this was a very fun challenge. And they thought I wasn't focused in episode one. Put a kitten in there and I was just done for. Yeah. <laughs> Well, your kitten was Sherlock, who loves climbing trees and bird watching. And your final build was Sherlock's home in Mystery Woods. And, you know, this one was a, a really fun one. But obviously, this also created, you know, I don't know what, what we want to call it, tree gate, stump gate, you know, mm -hmm. where there was three teams all doing trees. You know, what was that like once you realized it? And, and was that something that you sort of knew going into it or not? We looked around the room during our build process and saw that other couple other teams were doing trees and we weren't worried about it because we had a good concept. We really liked the plan that we came up with. So we weren't going to change the direction. We were just going to keep going with our tree and just make it the best tree that we could. And at the same time, we were thinking, why are they doing trees? Because ours was the only cat description that literally said trees, like it climbs trees. <laughs> like we had to do a tree. So I didn't feel like we were wrong for choosing a tree, but we just tried to make it the best we could and, and go with it and just see how they did their trees and let the cards fall where they may. Which literally I was like, show me their cards. Where does their say tree? I look so bratty on the show, but I didn't mean it. I was just like, show me where their says tree. Yeah. 
<laughs> at least, you know, to your point, like if it came down to it, you made a choice that was directly on the card. You can't be faulted for doing exactly. A um, but this one was a really, a really fun build. There was so much great detail to your point, Kelly, about wanting to put detail in this time in the bookshelf, the library. There was so much going on there. One thing I have in my notes here was the spinning section in your build. What was that meant to represent? I, I thought oh, it no. might be a fountain or it something. Didn't come, yeah, it didn't come across very well. Even I was watching the episode and I'm like, that does not look very good. And I showed it to Emily um, when we were building it. And I'm like, how does this look? And she said, great, because it was it surely my hat. mind. It was one of those checkered, um, like the Sherlock hat with the ear flaps that go up and there's oh. like button on the top like that. And so um, so the, the two different shades of gray were the checkered part. And then there were these like wedge plates that came up the side. Um, it looked great. I'm like, this is totally a Sherlock's hat. And then I watched the episode. I'm like, that doesn't look like what I thought it looked like <laughs> at all. So <laughs> I think maybe if it wasn't on the table and maybe yeah. it would have been like rearranged different, but it was flawless and we made it big. Yeah. so that It was like big enough for if the cat were to put the hat on, it would actually fit the kitten's head mm-hmm. as like a like it's actually his you know office or his woods versus like if it was a tiny hat for a minifig and it it didn't look great on camera but it was actually really flawless and if you look like if you go deep dive and open it and zoom in it's really a cool little thing she created so and kelly did all the birds and the um bookshelf and all the little extra details on that while i was working on the bridge because we wanted that bridge to be floating without anything underneath which was kind of hard and then so i kelly was great enough to get those details all done while I was doing all the boring stuff. (laughs) No, not boring. It's necessary. I I do find that sometimes when you're building a Lego set, though, like the first three bags are like creating the base and the technic under under structure. And you're like, all right, I I wanted to build the car. Let's let's get to the car part. Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But this one was was a lot of fun. And I think, you know, Amy, I remember she commented when the kitten actually crossed your bridge, like that was such a cute photo um, or moment of the kitten actually interacting with your build. Um, But it probably, you know, was at least nice to sort of land somewhere in the middle on this build. It doesn't show that you have some sort of streak of not knowing what the judges are looking for. And you really come back from this one. Is that how it felt in the moment? It felt good to, first of all, not be in the bottom. Um, Yeah, just to know that we had one more episode ahead of us, like one more challenge, because we both came on the show just wanting to try these challenges. So after that first episode scare, we were happy to try one more. And then we made it in in the middle round of this. And we were just like, okay, we get to try another one. Like, that's good. (laughs) We, We were okay with that. So yeah, we kind of felt like we were gaining some steam at this point. For sure. Um, and, you know, speaking of steam, maybe not my best transition. The next episode was the volcanic brick ruptions. Um, so this one was, you know, obviously the volcano challenge. And, you know, there were all these different environments your team had above the clouds with your rainmaker island. And was this like the environment that you were going for? Like, did you really fight for it? Or was it just one that happened to be there when you got to the uh, back gallery area? Hard Hard no um, on that. (laughs) So Kelly's the runner in our team. Like we always decided that she was going to run for things. So I'm like, run to the, we knew that we wanted Arctic. So I was like, run to Arctic. So she did, she ran and she put her hands on the white base plate and then it looked above the clouds. And actually Sam and Nina put their hands on a white base plate as well. And they wanted above the clouds. And so we were like, let's switch. And the production was like, nope, let's not. Nope, nope, <laughs> so we're not going to switch. They were like, they did did. and they lo- I think they loved it. Of course, they wanted us to stay with something we didn't want. 
Yeah. So yeah, when yeah. you actually see when Will comes over, he's like, so you guys got above the clouds. And I was like, yep. And we're stoked about it. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, listen, you, you made the most of it. And this is quite the story. You know, on the, uh, as you said, Kelly, on this island, you can see kind of rainmakers operations. And Emily, you go on to say, and they're leaning to or they're learning to control the volcano and help make the rainfall. So this was definitely like a really unique concept that I'm not even sure we totally got on the show because it was, you know, quite edited down from a story standpoint. So tell us like what what was going on here in this in this island? Because there is definitely a lot going on. I mean, I loved this story. The story that we came up with was so great. And I don't remember how we got to it, but that was our story. So weirdly, our volcano was just um, at the peak of the volcano and our above the clouds were like basically surrounding the top of it, you know. And so it was like this fantastical land up there, like totally fictional. But like the idea was that they would grow rain in stalks, like corn stalks. But instead of corn stalks, we had rain stalks. And so we had these fields of rain stalks growing you could see the rain droplets on the sides of the stalk just like the corn would be and then we had them in various stages of production some were growing some were being harvested some were being transported to the big collection bin and then you the collection bin was getting filled up with the raindrops um and this was just their whole operation so there was um you know, offices for the supervisors and like everyone has a job, right? And then the the volcano control center was kind of right in the center. Um, and then the idea was that they could use the power of the volcano to knock over the um, collection bin and then it would rain on all of the lands below. Yeah, so think about it like inside out, like in her brain, Riley in her brain has all those people working. Our rain comes from the rainmakers on this island and they are harvesting the rain so that we can have rain and we can have rainbows and that's why we had like the rainbows and we had rainbow details they didn't show a lot of this build this build was hard for me i thought i was a faster builder than i was going into this once <laughs> i started building the volcano i'm like oh my gosh i am so slow i felt so slow if i could go back i probably would have done it a little bit steeper not as wide but ultimately i just loved it and i will give you a behind the scenes michael when you get to the judging <laughs> section <laughs> All right, well, lay it on us. Um, you know, talk to us about it. Okay, so the goal was to have something move with the lava. And so we wanted to have our water tower tip over to water the worlds below, which was like probably a thousand one by one translucent blues of different colors in a water tower. Well, it the lava didn't have enough pressure to knock it over. And <laughs> I just kept looking at Will being like, just nudge it. It was only being held on by one stud. Yeah. So I was like, just nudge it. And then also say, make it rain. So Will, they didn't show this, but Will did knock it over and he goes, make it rain. And he knocks it and the <laughs> things go everywhere. And it was so fun to just watch that part. And then that just kind of slowly started to build me and Will's dynamic that we 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 did have a good time together, I felt like. So, and that was another one of those times that, that's why you see me so excited after this challenge, because yeah. I'm like, oh, he did make it rain. But like, no one realizes why I'm so excited. But that was why. Yeah, it was a really fun moment that didn't make the show, which is too bad. Honestly, Emily, I think they just think that that's you. You know, like they didn't, they didn't, they, you didn't need a moment to be that excited. I think they just assume, you know, that's Emily. She's always excited. <laughs> well, 
This was, like I said, another uh, really unique story. So much packed into this build. I'm glad that you gave us the the story about the crops, uh, Kelly, because I have in my notes some sort of orchard of blue trees on the left. That's in my. That's how I wrote it in my notes. So rainstocks. Uh, yeah, rainstocks. Um, yeah, I think uh, to your to your point, Emily, like whether it's Inside Out or like Monster Zinc, you know, there's a lot going on here uh, that definitely we didn't get the full story of, but um, a really fun build. And I'm sad we didn't get to see it them make it rain. Um, but we then move on to episode four. This is our build it by ear challenge. And you had the sound badonk. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Emily, there's a great quote from you where you said, I instantly go badonk a donk, but I can't build a butt on TV. Uh, <laughs> so was was badonk a, like a just a funny sound that you went for? Was that again, something that just sort of was one of the options that was left over? Like, were you shooting for badonk? I think it was more just one that we got. Me and Kelly weren't like super like, let's run for this exact one because we had no idea what the sound was going to be. Sure. So it just I was like, don't hurt yourself and just grab one that you that just speaks to you or that you get. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll build with whatever we get. So but then I was like, badonk, that's amazing. So before we heard the sound, I was just twerking all over. Badonk, 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 badonk. And then we hear the sound <laughs> and it... <laughs> was not that. <laughs> no, not quite. A little more mechanical, which inspired your robot build. But how did you arrive at that concept? Because obviously it's such a unique like premise of this challenge to hear a sound and then arrive at a build that sort of tells that story. Mm -hmm. I have a love-hate relationship with this challenge. I <laughs> love the concept of it, but then we tried and we kept hearing mechanical machinery. So at first we were going to do like an like a alien ship that had fallen and they had like a machine kind of saving an animal from this machine. And then as we like kept building and thinking about things, I'm like, there are already two alien ideas going around. And I was like, we are not doing, you know, tree gate again, stump gate. <laughs> and so I was like, let's switch it up. And I just was like, what about like robots, but like so sweet and like a huge story. And then ultimately that's why we came up when we came up with the lonely robot. Yeah, this is another story that I really liked. And we, I feel like storytelling was one of our strengths throughout our, our whole season together. But um we didn't arrive at it quickly because like Emily said, we started out with a different story and we ended up changing direction at least an hour, probably more into the build. And they didn't really sh show that. So we were pressed for time on this one, but I did end up, I really liked the story that, that we came up with. So I'm really happy about it. So we just knew, um, again, we were trying to get some size in there just so it looked good on screen and it didn't look too tiny, but we knew we also had to add details. So this was another one where um, we really had to work hard to, first of all, get the, the mechanism working, which um, Emily was working hard at, also get the size and color that we liked, and then have enough time to add those details in. It was it was a stretch to get this done. <laughs> I don't think this one got enough praise, honestly. I think it got more negative feedback than I was anticipating, which was interesting because I thought other ones that would get more negative feedback got less than this one. But I, I love this one. This would be one of my favorite stories we told and the emotion behind it. Like it was very emotional and the heart spinning and the hammering and then... Kelly did this beautiful floor tile work and the table was tiled. And yes, I think we could have added things, but we had 10 hours to do something we'd never <laughs> done before. And really we had like nine because we like shifted. 
And they didn't show like the tools that we had made. Like we had a soldering iron and a, a screwdriver and a pencil and like a little outlet to put the soldering iron into. It was like just really cute. And they don't they don't show that in any of the images or the video. Yeah, it's really hard to know, I think, when we're building it, because we look at it from a different perspective than what you're going to see it as on TV. And so it's hard to know what perspective the audience, the TV audience is going to see it. And are they going to see all these little things that we love? And it turns out, no, you don't get to. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of things that people don't see. Um, and you just, I, I don't know. So again, this is part of our big learning curve of how to build for TV. Like what, what should we focus on? Um, so it didn't turn out, the final build, I wouldn't say turned out as exactly how we hoped in our heads. We still love the story and we were really happy with um, the mechanism and the overall look. Again, this was another one where I feel like we just needed an, at least like another hour to get some more details in there. And I think this one for me, like my son was in full on tears sobbing. He was like, that robot is building a friend and he's going to be so happy, mom. Aww. And he still to this day talks about the lonely robot and how much it meant to him. So for me, that's a win. Yeah. Um, and, and you want to do things that like resonate with you. Like even if you don't, you know, knock it out, knock it out of the park in the judge's eyes, like it has to, it has to come from a place of like, uh, of, of your own passion to want to keep building challenge after challenge. And this one was to your point, such a sweet story. Um, it, it says, and with a heart full of love, the very best thing for this robot is to be able to share it with someone else. So it was, it was definitely one of those, like make it a children's story. Like, I think we need the book version. Yeah. And can I say something too, really quick, which I don't know that this got enough attention in the episode, but it was something that Emily and I put thought into is when we were telling our story and introducing the build and talking about it um, in the story and in the colors that we chose for the robots, we purposely didn't use blue and pink and we didn't use he and her pronouns because we feel like this story could apply to anyone, like anyone in any relationship, it could be a friend, it could be, you know, a spouse or whatever kind of partner, but we specifically used they, them pronouns. And I mean, that, that was really important to us. And I don't know if anyone really caught that in the episode. Yeah. I mean, looking back at my notes, like uh, the second sentence was, so they are building themselves a companion robot. So to your point, it was in the story and for, and for, and probably something we missed, but um, thank you for sharing that because that is really important. And, you know, the show does such an excellent job with lots of different types of representation, but you know, I, I, I almost wish they could have given this uh, it's due just from a story moment of representation beyond mm -hmm. even just the casting and such that we often see. Um, but yeah. But yeah, this one was a really sweet one. And and there were so many of those extra little details, like the crates and the and all the parts and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think it goes back to what you're saying, Kelly, which is like, what is the angle that the camera is going to show? And they really love that like dead on sort of like lower angle. Whereas as a builder, you're above the build and you're looking down to see the tiling like you were mentioning, Emily, or whatever it might be. And the camera doesn't always get it. Um, I, I obsessively watch and pause, so I may have gotten it, but not everyone does. Um, and even even I wish that I could get like a one hour 360 video of every build, you know, because I think there's always more I want to see. But um, we then move on to our next challenge. And this one was definitely something that we hadn't seen before with the Cirque du Soleil challenge. Your team was Team Cirque and you had the flying act and you were on a team with Aubrey and Ryan, Allison and Melanie and Paul and Nalita. What was this like? Because obviously 
we've never been challenged in this sort of way. You know, final eight is now put together into these super mega teams. What was this whole experience of coming together and coming up with this concept? So obviously like we're, you know, five episodes in at this point and Kelly and I are just finally like feeling like we're striding and we're meshing as a team. And then you have to add three other teams to our team. It was a challenge to get our team to kind of like agree on something. There were things that I knew had to be the same I knew that the stage, because I had seen a Cirque du Soleil performance, I I was in musical theater in high school, like the stage had to be the same. The backdrop <laughs> needed to be the same. Like when you go to a performance, what happens on the stage changes, but the stage itself, they don't come out and give you a whole new stage and background. They might put like little details in. So that was hard. And the best advice I got was finally Kelly said, Emily, you have helped the other teams like as much as you can. And now we really need to focus on our build because I was running up and down that that behind us, making sure everyone knew what was going on because I didn't want anyone to one. We thought someone was going to get eliminated. I didn't want to be eliminated, but I didn't want to be on the losing team either. So I knew we had to be strong enough for that as well. It was a very hard dynamic. Yeah, this was this challenge was not my favorite. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that, but I'll tell you why. It's just because I'm an individual worker and it was hard enough for me to come on the show and be partnered with someone to build, you know, cooperatively together with just a team of two. And now we have to do this team of eight and work together. And that was very stressful for me. I was already stressed just being on the show and working as a team because I like to work by myself. But <laughs> like Emily said, we were just starting to figure things out. We're like, okay, we've done a few. Like We're still in this. Let's, let's keep going. And then this curveball is thrown at us. And I'm like, this is my nightmare because in school, it's like I was the person in a group when you do group work in school who like either had to do everything for everyone because no one else worked and like I wanted a good grade and like it's just like I don't have I don't have great experience doing a bit large group projects like this so <laughs> it, was, it added a layer of stress for me <laughs> I can appreciate that I I feel like I resonate with both of you uh because Emily I come from a musical theater background and then also Kelly I was always one who had to like edit the paper be the final edit you know those sort of things in my group projects so I this is this must be why your team resonates with me because I am the two of you to some extent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're a perfect blend of Kelly and Emily. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes. Um, but, you know, so obviously you're, you're, uh, you you eventually come to this, you know, concept about the mermaid and sort of the journey, um, sort of like the, re the reverse little mermaid, you know, wanting mm -hmm. to be a mermaid. And your build, like I said, was this flying act. Um, you know, talk to us just about how you came up with this concept, because you know, there's a lot of high flying and, and emotion and all this sort of stuff. So talk to us about this build. Oh, man, this was the hardest mechanism, even from the robot, because you had to have it not be too heavy that she would fly off when she was swinging, but heavy enough that she would swing back and forth um, and that she needed to stay together. And the mermaid at the bottom kind of coming up to her as well. They needed to come at the same time. And so getting them to line up so that one, it wasn't opposite. Right. And they were pulling against each other. Ooh, this one was hard. And it was also hard for me to like just let things go that I probably shouldn't have, but I did because I wanted to be a good team player. But there were things that I finally had to say, like Paul and Nalita, like they come and they're like, we need a team meeting. And we all sat there and I'm like, you guys, I don't care what we have to do. The front of our stage has to look the same. So I sat with <laughs> Aubrey trying to figure out how the front of our stage could look the same. 
and we came up with a concept and it just, it was a difficult challenge, but ultimately I'm proud of the team that we had. Like we should have been far worse than the other team. They had all the elites, all the winners so far. And we had bottom two people. We had people who have just been middle of the pack the whole way. And I felt like what we did was very impressive. And even in judging, I'm like, it's amazing. It's a 10 out of 10. Like, <laughs> I'm so proud of this team, what we came up with, because really, like, yes, theirs looked more polished, but our story was far better. And I will say that to any single one of their faces. <laughs> yeah, same for me. It really came together in the end. And so by the end of the challenge, I was enjoying myself a little more than the beginning of the challenge. <laughs> to like to come together but once I did see it start to come together and I really like the story and Emily especially our section of the story the high flying act um Emily was doing a great job with the motors and then I just really liked the, the concept of how she was being pulled between these two worlds and that was representing the motion of the trapeze I thought how perfect is that like we had the mermaid down below and I just really liked that. And so to see it all come together, I was really proud of what our team actually did come up with because I had my doubts in the beginning. And then we have a guy up top, like on a dock, like her her human with human legs floating away. Oh my gosh. Will Arnett was just like, "Uh, is this in the gift shop? Can you get like just legs for earrings in the gift shop after the performance? There's just like legs sitting. I'm like, (laughs) William. Like they wanted, they were like, maybe add some like translucent. So it looks like it's floating. Cause literally it looks like she took off of her legs and then put on fins <laughs> to get started. No. And they could not stop laughing. It was I could not stop laughing during judging for this because it was because Amy was giving her critique of it and she was giving her feedback. And then she said all, all these things and then, and she's really articulate, you know, and then she gets to the, she's like, and I'm just, I'm just not sure why there's, why there's just legs. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, why didn't we just put legs there? Why didn't we build the whole figure who was sitting on the dock? Why is it just legs? And then I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> we were, la- it was supposed to be like vanishing, but we didn't make anything to vanish. It was just the straight cut at the belt line. Just, just legs. Like-, like we needed to have, I think it could have been really effective for some translucent to look like her world was vanishing away. But yeah, it's also when Amy and Jamie came to our table, they said, this is a, play this is a show you don't need to build a real castle build a facade so why would we need to build a real dock it like everyone kept being like that doesn't look like a dock well guess what when you go to a performance it's cardboard people like reddit (laughs) it doesn't need to look like a dock (laughs) well and also like you know uh, you know coming from our theater background emily like oftentimes we talk about what is you know what is by the proscenium so the proscenium essentially is like the frame that sits around the stage you know so basically that is like the picture it's almost like the edges of your television screen as you look in and so the feet would be sort of dangling down from the proscenium you know view and so that's how i took it i i I didn't think of it as severed legs okay good that's good because well then you should call will arnett because he's like can you buy these in the gift shop after your show (laughs) william Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you got it. <laughs> yes, I, I was with you. I was with you. But no, this is this was really like, um, like to your point, the story was really touching. And I think that the way that yours your, with your emotions, the way that you synchronize those movements really did tell that story. And also, I, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Emily, like, I feel like especially I noticed it with the top movement. It wasn't like, like a regular movement. It wasn't like it just went back and forth. Like it almost had like a little delay to it. Maybe it was overcoming the weight of the brick, but, but like that actually like made it seem like a more complex motion to me. There was an elastic in there that was giving it the kind of the spring going Ah. back and forth. So it wasn't, 
when it would want to go, the elastic would have to get stretched enough to have it go. So it wasn't just going like this. Yeah, right? yeah. Like if I you could, I could have done a circle and she would have just looked like she was doing this, but it was kind of doing this. And it would take a break and kind of come up and then come up again like that. So yeah. it was amazing. It I was. My it was. <laughs> um, I, I definitely agree. Um, no, this was really a fun one. So, um, you know, and um, amazingly, for the first time ever in Lego Masters history, there was a tie and nobody went home. What was that moment like? Like, were you, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, Emily, like you were convinced someone was going home. So what was it like to sort of get that news that, Nobody was going home. That was I loved, yeah, I, I loved it, was, it. I was like, let everyone stay this round. I think it was impossible to send someone. And I honestly think it would have been really negative on the show to send someone because everyone worked so hard and every build came together really well. And so I, I think it was a really good call production wise and like morale with us as builders. Yeah, we're standing there in the, the judging and, you know, everyone's nerves are high and you're nervous about who's which team is going to be the top, which one's going to be the losing team. And just the fact that when they dropped that banner that said no one's going home, just like the sense of relief was just it was great. It was such a good feeling, very emotional. <laughs> we were all just happy to stay one more challenge. Of course, I was crying. But <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Like you said, Emily, you were going to be yourself through and through. So never change. Um, but then we move on, of course, to episode six, the Is It Brick Challenge. And, you know, at least the way that the edit shows us, you know, Kelly, you were on a mission. You said, I'm done being in the middle. We want to challenge ourselves. And you really saw your way of doing that um, as showing them what you're capable with with this clarinet. So talk to us about, you know, you go into the gallery. There's like a million different items. How did you land on the clarinet? Yeah, there were a lot of items in the room. And so I knew it was it didn't have to be a fight to see who got what a lot of times they're like okay go pick your thing and you all run up and there's one for each team and you got to fight for the one you want and I knew that this wasn't the case so I knew other people were going to just grab stuff quick and walk out and I also thought it was important for us to take our time and really make a smart decision because I saw a lot of things in the room that would not be a smart decision to choose <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that we we got the best choice for us that showed technical um, that had the colors that, of the bricks that were available in the brick pit because they didn't have all colors available um, that we could spend 10 hours building on and actually working on. Like we didn't want to be done too fast. We didn't want to be pressed for time. Like, I don't know. There was a lot of things going through my mind and I was thinking of of our strengths and thinking what what could we do well in this time frame, And, and that was it. So we, we walked through the room and we saw a few options. And the rule was that if you picked up an object to think about it, um, you and you couldn't pick up two objects. You had to put one object down if you wanted to consider another object. Um, so we held on to the clarinets. Um, and I don't think that was Emily's. I know that was my choice. It wasn't Emily's because Emily liked <laughs> sculptures. Like she's good at sculpting things, and I am not. And the the few sculptures in the room. I just didn't think that that they would translate well to looking lifelike. Like I, we wanted to fool the judge, so um, that's why we didn't go sculpture. And I, I'm like, I know that's what Emily wants, but at the same time, like we had to pick something that I, I felt like could actually be doable in ten hours. Yeah, I love, I love sculpting, but I knew that even the sculptures that were in there was like this w big woman bust. I'm like, we, we couldn't, we couldn't do that in Lego, even if we were like had. <laughs> a million hours and thousands of dollars on BrickLink, it would have been still really hard. So for this one, like Kelly gave me the reins, I feel like on the robot challenge to really be like, let's go big. 
And so on this one, I was just like, Kelly, you know what? Let's let's do the clarinet. It wasn't in my wheelhouse, but I'm like, I knew she's good enough that it would she it was fine to pick something that she <laughs> but I probably ultimately like looking around, I would have gone with something like that, like the telescope or something similar to that. I would have stayed a hundred percent away from the fire extinguisher and <laughs> the rug and the chair mm-hmm. because that's just freaking stupid sorry sam christopher no i know but like like, we saw them considering the rug and i looked at it i don't know if you saw the pattern in the actual rug but it was it was not doable in 10 hours and i've done mosaics (laughs) emily you've done mosaics like it is it is not and so like we needed to make a one-to-one model it had to be an exact copy and i'm like you can't do that in 10 hours so like i don't know what they're doing (laughs) it made for great tv so it did it did um but uh, you know, we saw that, you know, you were, you said that, uh, Kelly, you were going to actually try to model it so that you could get the shape of every key just right. And you said, I got a sample of every random gray piece to replicate it. What was that process like, like working through it sort of like, you know, linearly almost like going down the line, like making each one of those keys? That was tedious. <laughs> that was so <laughs> tedious. And you know what? That's exactly what I love. <laughs> like, that is anything that is tedious and painstaking is the kind of building that I like to do. So I I did not mind doing that. And it was, so the clarinet comes apart, like the real clarinet, it, it, you know, you can disassemble it. And so we took it apart and had, um, I just had one section in front of me. Emily had one section in front of her that she was working on replicating her copy. And so I just had my, the main body of the clarinet with all the keys on it right in front of me. And I just kind of looked at shapes and kind of like blurred my eyes to see like, what's the general shape and see what pieces we had that would translate to it. And then I find a piece I like and think, okay, here's the right shape. Now, how can I attach this? And, you know, the body of the clarinet's just a long cylinder, just round. So there weren't many attachment <laughs> points, um, but I figured out a good system. And once I got some some um, clips and bars, they're like my favorite thing to work with is clips and bars um, and found a way to attach some of those. It was, it was a long process and a lot of swapping out parts um, to get the connections right, to get the, the keys to line up right. And Overall, I I was really happy with it. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you should be. I mean, this was really like, uh, you know, from a one to one standpoint, you know, definitely one of the most striking in the room. And, you know, because, you know, as Amy said, you know, there's no straight lines. There's so many intricate details with the keys. And, you know, the fact that you did take your time to find the perfect pieces really, really helped you in nailing that complicated section uh, is what Amy said. So, yeah, I mean, it really stood out to me and it was a top two build. So, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you start of you're finding your bearings, then you're thrown into the team gauntlet of the Cirque du Soleil challenge. But now you're coming out here as a top two build. What did it feel like, you know, to get that sort of recognition finally? It felt great. And so it great. felt like we totally deserved it. I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. We were like, yeah, we should be here. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, I thought our build was exceptionally nice. And I think everyone else like when people were walking out, actually good camera person said to me once, they were like, we picked it up thinking it was the real clarinet to put back on the shelf. And mm-hmm. it because it just looked so real from <laughs> the distance mm-hmm. of that. So yeah, it felt really, it just felt really good um, that we both contributed the thing that we do best. Like Emily got her sculpting in there because she worked on the parts of the clarinet that were sculpted. Like I just worked on the cylinder part. There was no sculpting there. That was all the greebling and keys. And she made the mouthpiece look like, I mean, she worked so many hours on that. And I know that was not her favorite thing to do because we were, we spent 10 hours doing this one thing 
And I know that was not your favorite thing to do, Emily, but it turned out so, so well. And I tell people like when you're on Lego Masters, every challenge is a race, right? You get the challenge, the clock starts. It's a race to get your one thing done before the time is called. And you get to turn in that one draft. You get to turn in one copy. You don't have time to edit it. It's a race to turn in your first draft. And in any creative endeavor, you would never turn in your first draft. You don't, you don't <laughs> turn in a first draft of anything, right? You, you polish it. You make it look good. And so this challenge was the one, the first time that I felt like we got to actually make multiple drafts. We made a lot of edits until we got it looking just the way it should look. And so, and we were proud to turn in something that we didn't feel like we had a race to turn in a first draft of, and it really showed (laughs) like it was, it was exemplary. We loved it. Yes. And we loved it at home. Um, Honestly, like I think it easily could have gone either way with you and Paul and Melita. Like I, I only wonder if maybe the size of their build, you know, was like the thing that put them over the edge or, you know, or something like that. But it really flip of a coin in my eyes of who, who could have slash should have won that challenge, but um, amazing work. And we're going to see, you know, you mentioned the tedious greebling was one of your talents, Kelly, but we're going to see another one of your talents here in episode seven, the brick chic challenge. And this is all about the handbags, but also about the modeling. <laughs> Why don't we start there, Kelly? You know, you very casually brushed it off. You said, you know, I have some modeling experience, but it was eons ago, catalog ads. I was not a very good model. You, you got to tell us a little bit more of that story. I got into modeling when I was uh, 14 or 15, I think maybe 15. And, you know, I did little bits here and there through high school and college just to earn some money. And then I did it a little bit after college. Um, The last photo shoot I did was I was six months pregnant with my, my daughter, my first child. And they needed someone who looked pregnant. And and then that was the last thing I've done. I haven't done it in years. And that was just so long ago. And I was not very good because I, like I said on the show, like I'm an introvert, right? I'm not out there with my personality. And I feel like modeling is you get in front of the camera, like, okay, just work with it. Just show us what you got. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, you need to give me some direction. You need to tell me what you want me to do. I'll sit here. I'll turn my head this way. I'll smile. I won't smile, whatever you want me to do, but I need direction. So that's why I say I'm not a very good model because I can't just like work it. Right. (laughs) That's not me. That's just not who I am. So Will was like, show us some of your poses. I'm like, I don't have any. (laughs) So this challenge was good for both of us as a team, me and Emily, because she got to direct me. She told me everything to do and I just did it. And, and it turned out great. (laughs) Yes. Well, and it was so, it was so fun seeing you, you know, maybe outside your element, but also in your element uh, as the model. But your build was the spring asymmetrical handbag. And obviously all these builds were seasonal, you know, each of the different four seasons. Like I've asked you in all the other challenges, you know, was spring the season you were going for or, you know, you're happy to sort of get what what you get. I really wanted spring or fall. And I let Kelly know I'd be happy with either either one of those. I did not want winter. And then summer, I just thought, okay, we would be put in a box of a beach bag most likely and so I really did I think when I was like Kelly I would like spring or fall yeah well and this one you know you had I think a really like uh 
direct vision. Like, I, I feel like this one seemed to come to you quickly. Um, you know, this asymmetrical design, the tag with the logo, the stitching, all those sort of things. How did you arrive to this? Because obviously, you know, it's sort of like a replicating challenge like the last one, but it's also has to, you have to be the designer, you know, you don't get an object to replicate, you have to be the designer. So, you know, was this, was this as easy as it sort of seemed like for you to come to? So when they first made the thing, they kept saying high fashion, high fashion, high fashion, like think Vogue, don't think Target, don't think, you know, you know, those like think high end, high fashion. So I was like thinking that, but then we were also like, let's think of colors in spring, pastels and flowery. But then I was like, high fashion, we got to get away from that a little bit. So it actually didn't come together quite as quickly as maybe we made it seem in the color scheme, right, Kel? Don't you kind of remember we were like, yeah, I remember. I don't think anything came to us quickly ever, but (laughs) (laughs) we decided that in the second challenge that we were not going to rush into our builds. We would rather know exactly what we're going into than rush and just start building and then have to tear down later. So oh, I feel like we got the concept of this challenge really well right away. Like it just clicked. We knew what they meant when they said fashion, brick chic, like think Vogue, not Target. And I think this was really in Emily's wheelhouse. I felt like the last challenge when we had to choose the one-to-one scale object was kind of in my wheelhouse and I took the lead on it. And this one Emily had a really, um, really great ideas about what high fashion actually was. I was the one who was like, should we do these colors? And she said, no, that's too Easter basket. She's like, that's too on the nose. It looks like an Easter basket. We need to be more Vogue than that. So she, I feel like the concept was hers a lot. And I just give her a lot of credit for coming up with this awesome bag. Cause it was like, I felt like it really nailed the concept of high fashion. Like it wasn't yeah, it was more art than than an actual practical bag. <laughs> so yeah, going into this, I really wanted something that looked avant-garde, really high fashion, high end. And so I like the asymmetrical. I wish we could have executed it a little bit better. And then we had this really cool design for how to make the bag look like it was like a tote, like folded in on itself using airplane wings but it just wasn't stable enough. I kept trying and trying, but I really (laughs) wanted it to work. And I think I probably should have gotten rid of it earlier on, but I was just like really excited about this cool idea that I had. And so I kept trying and ultimately then we had to like put hinges on because, you know, Kelly's like, is that going to hold? I'm like, it's absolutely going to hold. It's amazing. And it, it absolutely did not hold. And my confidence got the better of me in that moment, but we put hinges on So our bag, I think with one hour could have been flawless. And I think it would have been in the top two Um, with one extra hour. I think we could have really nailed what we were going for. We wanted to do braiding down the side, have a little braiding detail. And we wanted this huge clasp to come over the top to look really expensive and classy. It was a bag that you wouldn't use like in everyday life. It's a bag you use for people to look at you, to be like, whoa, that's a cool bag. Not like, (laughs) oh, that's a functional bag. Yes. Well, you know, you got a lot of great accolades for the bag, but I have to read you the quote uh, from Amy about your modeling, Kelly, where she said, we have to start with this cover shot because it is fire. Not only do you look absolutely amazing, Kelly, and you're totally working the camera, but you're really celebrating that bag. So, uh, you know, strong praise, you know, from the judges on on something that you don't even feel like is your strong suit in the competition. (laughs) No, I don't. But that was nice to hear. And we did have a ton of fun doing the photo shoot to pick out our because they asked us what color outfit we wanted to wear. We got they gave us some uh, options, but we kind of chose our color palette and we said neutrals and and they gave us we said, okay, 
here's what you have to choose from. And there was several tops and uh, skirts and other things. And Emily right away was like, okay, she's looking through the closet, like clothes, like you're looking through a closet, like this, no, no, no. Oh, this, yes. And this, yes. And she's like, you're going to wear this. So Emily picked out the clothes. Like I just got to get dressed up. I wore the jewelry they told me to wear. I got, you know, Emily did my hair, all those clips in it. It was so fun. So yeah, yeah, so I of- wanted to give us like a leg up. I was a hairstylist for 10 years. So I'm like, I just asked hair and makeup. Hey, do you guys have some bobby pins? They said we couldn't do anything too extreme because we had to move her back. But I just like put some bobby pins in her hair and then kind of messed her hair up. Kelly put on a whole alter ego in this moment. It was not Kelly Bartlett anymore. It was Kelly Bartley. And she was looking fierce and fire and hot AF. Like I just loved everything about how she looked. And she was giving all of it. She was giving the whole pie, man. It she looks super hot out there. I hadn't felt so gorgeous in such a long time. It was like an alter ego. And then I just followed Emily's direction and just had fun with it. And it was actually Will's idea to put the flowers in the bag and it looked really good. So I was like, thank you, Will. Yeah. Give it that springtime, you know, uh, chic that you were going for. But it's really so much fun because I think in some ways this is like a great um showcase of your two talents coming together you know i think we talked about at the top like you know this sort of like you know pair that was sort of drawn together just through the casting process but now look at how you're really like bringing out the best in each other um both you know uh, uh, you know in the builds but also in these sort of moments where you have to play up for the tv like you were talking about even prepping for so um a really awesome showing from the two of you here in the brick chic challenge um and we go from high fashion to high octane in the lego 2k drive episode episode eight this one was an unbelievable showcase of the two of you and we'll get to the race but um this one here was your stinger the off-road vehicle and you know your two and the way that this worked obviously is that everyone got to pick cars that were smashed together and so you know your two cars i'm going back in my notes i should have this right the, the banana car and the pontoon boat and you know you were the second team at least as it shows in the edit what drew you to the banana car and the pontoon boat when you know when you're thinking about the pieces you'd have to use for the final build. I think it ultimately I was like, I like the banana car. Kelly's like, that's cool. She's like, I like the pontoon boat. And I was like, that's cool. And I was like, let's go with those. Like well, the, I don't... Banana, the banana car had color because we had a lot of yellow and then the pontoon looked big. So it looked like we'd have a lot of choice of parts to use. So we went with size. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's pretty smart. But, uh, you know, obviously, the the fundamental part of this challenge is that you only have the pieces that are in those two vehicles. And so how did the two of you go about assessing what was possible for your build? It was hard. Um, It was really disorganized. Kelly's a very organized builder. I'm a little more messy than she is. But you had to keep as organized because every piece mattered. And at one point, I actually couldn't find a ball joint. And Christopher, being the mechanical machine he is I was like oh I can't find this ball joint and he goes it's right there like he could just see it in seconds and so I was able to get that to get the curve at the front but staying organized was hard but you needed to stay organized so that you could know what you had Mm -hmm. once we smashed our cars and we gathered up all the pieces had them back at our table I know we spent at least an hour just sorting what we had and as we were sorting and kind of figuring out what we had we were talking about ideas but we had to get things organized and sorted and then seeing what parts we had helped us brainstorm ideas and just seeing the color scheme and it took us a while to come up with an idea for this one i was so tired at this point that i kept being (laughs) like what's 
yellow and gray. What's yellow? And I'm like, Kelly, I can't even tell you one thing right now that is even yellow other than a banana. I literally just kept being like banana because it's just like so tired. And it's like, you are trying to build and I, Kelly's like, okay, let's think what's yellow and gray or yellow and brown, yellow. And I'm like, banana. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, the, the creative fatigue is real, you know, eight episodes in and, you know, and even just like you you even mentioned, you know, Kelly, in the first challenge, being on your feet so long, your back hurt. I mean, like it mm -hmm. takes a both a physical and a mental creative toll. Um, but you arrive at the B one and you mentioned, uh, you know, Kelly, that, you know, what seemed like you'd have a lot of pieces with the pontoon realized you just have a lot of gray plates. Wow. Um, you know, you hope to make it rounded, but, you know, you, you didn't have all those sort of things. So, how, you know, how did you sort of come up with your concept? And did you feel like the judge's advice about it didn't have to be so literal? Was that sort of the spark you needed, like the show sort of makes it seem? Yes, it did. Because at that point we were struggling with, we had the idea to make a bee and I was thinking around it, like an old, some kind of oval shaped body of a bee. And we were having a hard time. And when the judges came over, I was really welcoming them because I always like it when Amy and Jamie come over. I'm like, I... I value their input. They always have helpful things to say. Um, and so I was like, I remember saying, what did I say? I said something said, like, we need help. We need help. Like, can you help us? Like, please help us. <laughs> I, I think that's what I said. Please help us. What do you think we should do? So I, we were really receptive to their feedback. And when they said, um, you know, you remember that it's like a cartoon. It's a game. It doesn't have to be so literal. It doesn't have to look exactly like a bee, but if it has elements of a bee, but it's also a car. So it should have elements of a car and you're creating this new character that doesn't have to look like either thing. It was like, okay, pressure is gone. Like we don't have to make a rounded body just because bumblebees have round bodies. Um, it could be like a Hummer. Like that's what we were thinking was this off-road Humvee uh, vehicle. And we could do that with the plates that we had and the pieces that we had. So that all of a sudden felt good. And it was still hard because we had limited parts. So it, we were still being challenged. Like, Emily, you were working on the body a lot. Did you feel like that got easier for you? Or were you still having a hard time with the body shape? I really wanted it to be strong. So I had like this crazy technic thing. And here's the thing that not a lot of people know. In the, in the middle of our B or in the middle of anyone's car, it had to lift up so they could charge the battery. So you had to have a at least a two by stud width that was the length of the car that they could get the USB to charge the battery in. So uh -huh. I had to make sure that my stud count was right, that it could, something could sit on there and still stud down. And that was hard. Like, and it, the front, everyone kept being like their front. It looked like they ran out of pieces. No, the front is where our camera went. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like garbage without the camera in there because we didn't we just use whatever pieces we had. But with the camera in there, it covered all those. So a lot of people, those were the two things I heard the most. Like, why is there a thing on here? But our car looked like a bee that was a car. <laughs> like and it was exactly what they had asked for. It had eyes, it had a mouth, it had wings, it had antennas, and it had like a tailgate and lights on the back and everything that you would need in a car. I was, okay, we'll just talk about the race, Michael, you can lead us into that. But I was shocked that we were in the bottom two because I thought ours was like just as cute as Christopher and Robert's. Theirs might've been like more innovative and like a little bit more like technically, but Ours was so freaking cute and driving out it. there on the course with the stinger and the lights and the eyes was just freaking cute. And I, I, <laughs> 
I'm still a little bit bitter, obviously. I, my favorite part was the front because of his face, like oh, those cute. eyes, a little smile. I'm like, and the wings were delicate and on top. And I'm like, well, those aren't going to last. But the whole thing pretty much stayed together. And that's what we were going for, too, was we wanted to finish the race. We we wanted to have our car intact. And so our main goal was strength on this one. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think this was definitely cute. Like if this was a toy, I like like a I guess Lego is a toy. But you know what I mean? Like if this was a toy in the store, I think it would have been a very cute design that like I could see a lot of kids gravitating toward towards if it was like a Hot Wheel, you know, car or something like that. Um, but of course, like, uh, you know, we have to we will talk about the race, but we also have to mention, you know, um, Emily, that you and Will, you know, had a, a fun like sort of uh, spat during this one. You uh, you basically call Will out. You're like, you're just going to say this thing and walk away. And, you know, Will, you know, encourages you then to take over his job. You know, he says, you know, <laughs> so so talk us through sort of this. It sounds like this is almost like where your relationship was building to. Me and Will, I feel like really did have a genuinely fun connection, friendship. Um, I always say I don't know if he was just a really good actor, but I felt like he genuinely enjoyed his time with me. But when he was like, <laughs> go ahead and do my next check in, I was like, I got this. I know exactly how he works. And at this point, we have spent a lot of time together. So I knew doing the check in with Sam and Nina that it was going to be exactly how I wanted it to be. This was my moment. <laughs> it definitely was. You had some funny quotes. Um, you, uh, you said, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I'm just here to listen. Um, and then you're like, wow, that sounds really lame. Good luck to you guys. Um, so you, you definitely, you definitely were ready. Like this was your time to shine and, uh, you, you definitely, uh, didn't drop the ball there. Uh, so that was very fun. But of course we have to talk about the race and really like, the whole episode and the edit is sort of brewing to this conflict with you and Christopher from when you were testing your car to even during the judging, you know, you, you say, uh, you know, um, so be aware, don't get near me, Christopher. And, you know, he gives his evil laugh, but you know, I, I, I gave the top 10 moments of Lego masters, uh, in a podcast this season. And I said from season four, I think, the Christopher, Christopher moment was one of the top 10 of the whole series so far. So talk us through that from your perspective. So that moment was like when when you're a parent, um, we're all parents here. So like your kid starts to pester you just a little and you're like, please stop, 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 stop. <laughs> and then you're like actually frustrated. So it was like that. It was like, Christopher, don't come near me. Christopher, Christopher, Christopher. <laughs> like it just more and more like actually agitated at the cute kid I adore Christopher he's a wonderful human being but by the end of the race I was like we were walking back and I'm like I'm so mad at him Kelly I looked at Kelly I'm like I'm so mad at him <laughs> well I was mad too because we were we were told that we were not supposed to crash into each other on purpose this was not a demolition derby it was a race and there were multiple directions to choose on the course it wasn't just the same loop that we all had to do so we were told before the race, do not crash into other vehicles. And I'm like, so then because of all that that happened, I'm like, he, he I was, I was mad too. I wasn't even driving. So I'm, I'm behind Emily 100% on this. And also when pieces did fall off, we were told you have to remove them from the track right away. So Emily was up top doing the car and the partners were down in the middle of the track. And our job was to turn over our car if it got turned over, like turn it right side up. And our job was also to remove debris from the track because they wanted an actual race. They didn't want a demolition derby. So I was mad because they, we were told not to do that. He did it anyway. <laughs> and I mean, I just, 
I said it in my interview, one of our interviews, which didn't make it on the air. I said, I don't think that was great sportsmanship. (laughs) (laughs) So I was mad too. (laughs) I appreciate that. I guess the, the takeaway for future contestants is like, uh, the rules are meant to be broken. And the, and, and the cars are meant to be broken. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I think, listen, it was certainly iconic. I think like, uh, you know, if, if that if that hadn't happened, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been as memorable of an episode as it turned out to be, you know, right. in no small part to the two of you. But um, we then go to the results for this one. There's There wasn't a full top two, but of course there's a bottom two and you find yourself here in the bottom two. And, you know, I, I think that this is more probably they had to pick someone, you know, I mean, like I, I didn't think they had a strong case um, for the two of you. But now we're heading into the semifinals and, you know, and you know, you're coming off of, of this, you know, first of all, wild challenge, but also bottom two, you know, uh, you know, just as far as the judges thought, you know, how do you psych yourselves up then to go one more time into the semifinals? I didn't really need to psych myself up for this one because I just felt so proud of where we were at this point. And I said to Kelly, like, we are nine episodes in here and this is amazing what we have done. And I loved our B car. I didn't think it deserved bottom two. So I didn't feel frustrated at like us, Kelly and I, I felt frustrated a little bit with the judging on that. But I was just really ready to come into this one and just give it one more shot before the finale and really just put our best foot forward. We didn't know what we were going into. And I'm like, let's let's go and let's, uh, you know, do what we do best. And so that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't feel very defeated after the beat at the car challenge because I didn't feel like we deserved to be in the bottom two. I was still really proud of our car. I kind of thought. The same thing. I was like, well, there's a, it's a smaller pool of, of people here. Like somebody has got to be in the bottom, but I yeah. didn't think ours deserved to be there based on the build that we had. So I, it's not like I had to psych myself up to do the, the next challenge. I was just like, okay, we get to try one more. And the thing was when we, before we started, what I was hoping for most was just to, to be able to try the challenges. Every challenge we went, we did, I was like, I just want to try one more because, you know, you're at home and you watch these and I'm like, oh, that would be so fun. What would I do if I was building, you know, one hanging brick or whatever it is you play along? And I thought, I want to see what they give you. Like, I want to see what they're going to give the contestants. And I want to be able to try it because I've watched all these episodes. I'm like, I want to try that. Like, I want to have an idea for that and see what I can do. And so we had been eight episodes And I'm like, we have tried, we've done all these challenges that they've thrown at us. And so we got to do one more. And we knew that the final, the finale was always build what you want. Like it's your own concept. So I was really proud to go into the ninth episode, knowing that we will have done every challenge that they have given to us. So I, I was really proud of us for that. I love that. And I think that that's absolutely the right attitude. And to your point, like, you know, someone has to be in the bottom, but you know, why should you let that slow your slow you down? And so we go then into episode nine, the roller coaster madness challenge. And this was your build, the ladybug flight. And, you know, I think that, you know, like you mentioned, every challenge sort of is a new something that they're throwing at you. And Kelly, it seemed like, you know, this was one of those challenges that just it didn't resonate with you personally. You said, I personally don't like the roller coasters that have a drop. And obviously they're challenging you to go build the craziest you know, roller coaster ever. You know, so, you know, so talk us through sort of how you arrived at this coaster idea. Um, just knowing, you know, that you went in with sort of those feelings. Well, here's the thing. I love roller coasters. They're like my favorite thing to do at part of theme parks. I don't like the ones that have a, a drop that goes straight down because I don't like that feeling in my stomach. But the yeah. ones that have like... <laughs> 
I, I don't even mind like a loop. I don't mind like if it's like a twisty drop, if it's like just fast around corners, like that's really fun. And I actually really like roller coasters. The ones that have a really one steep straight drop, I'm like, no, I, I'm going to pass on that. But <laughs> I love roller coasters. And um, so I was thinking of, well, what do we like about roller coasters? I like everything else about them, just not a steep drop. But that was part of the requirement is that you had to have a steep drop in there. So, you know, we wanted to make sure we met all the requirements of the build. Um we wanted to do our best. And the thing was, neither one of us had built a roller coaster before. I don't know, Emily, have you ever built the set? Because I had never even No, we had never set. even touched a train a roller coaster track, either yeah. one, <laughs> either one of us. No, so I didn't know how they connected. I didn't know how the cars connected. I didn't know how the cars hooked onto the chain. Like I didn't know how the chain hooked onto the motor. Like I didn't know any of that. So we were I was like, okay, I guess we're gonna be learning about this today as we, you know, just fly <laughs> by the seat of our pants and figure this out. So that was really intimidating. Um, and again, we wanted to do our best. So we knew that the technical was going to be hard for us because we had never built roller coasters, but we also knew that our strengths were in color and storytelling and details. And so we wanted to make sure we met all the technical requirements that were given to us. And then we were going to just lean in to those things that we do best, which was the storytelling in this one. Yeah. And there's a funny moment, Emily, I loved with you and Will um, where you said, do you know how to build a roller coaster? And he says, I don't know how to build anything. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cool. Will always made me feel a little lighthearted when I was stressed. Um, I think he would pick the perfect moments to come over to our table when <laughs> I felt a little overwhelmed. It was very stressful getting that mechanism to work correctly. Um, but I, we leaned into our theme. We leaned into our story. Our roller coaster was the only one that had black and red track. Um, we got a lot of flack for not putting a loop in, but the loop only comes in that yellow-orange color. And I just thought that would look so stupid in our build just to have this random orange-yellow loop in there when it was already aesthetically so pleasing on the other. If you look at our roller coaster, we got some pictures of it or a video on the show of it when it doesn't have any of our other theming in there yet. And it is a really cool roller coaster in itself without the theming. So I think we got pinged a lot for the roller coaster not being extreme. Everyone had one drop or the two that Paul and Nalita had going down, but we had three drops. They just weren't huge. There was drop number one, drop number two, and then the little double drop at the end. Um, and then it looped underneath and came back around. And so I can't be mad at Kelly or I. And if I could go back, I honestly wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have added the loop. Our roller coaster is was brilliant. I loved it. I The spinning flowers and our cart had character. It was like little ladybug characters yeah. and the butterflies that Kelly built and the spinning flowers. And you could not see a mechanism in sight. We had covered it with grass, like brick that looks like grass. And so it was just like so well done. I still kind of cringe that <laughs> we didn't get a chance to go to the finale over this one because it just was exceptionally well done. And I, I you know, I'm a confident person when it comes to, I'm always like, it's amazing, it's amazing, it's wonderful. <laughs> I really loved it. I loved it so much. And I, I have no regrets on this one. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think to your point, like if you have to like get sent home on a challenge, let it be a build that you're proud of, not something that didn't come together at the last minute or broke or something like that. But like, like Kelly said, do the things that you do best and leave it all out there. Like do the fullest expression of what you do best. And, and listen on paper, 
to your point, it was an interesting ride layout. There was all these different builds. There was multiple motorized mechanisms, both to make the ride function, but also just to add theming. So like, you know, on paper, like you really threw a lot into this build. You could argue much more than some of the other teams did. It's just like the subjective nature of the competition, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and so I think that you have a million things to be proud of about the whole competition, but I think plenty to be proud of about this one in general, because I think this was definitely the most cohesive. It was the most like, you know, uh, sometimes I, I think like the difference between like Disney World and just your average theme park is that, you know, like you go to Six Flags, it looks like a roller coaster and it's just a roller coaster and you go to Disney World and it and it feels like something else. And it's that extra level of theming that makes Disney World to me feel like the higher class theme park, yeah. like the more you exciting know, one. It's interesting that you say that because that was going through my head while we were building as I was thinking of Thunder Mountain in Disney yeah. World. It is so fun. It's a ride that we will go on again and again. If there's no line, we just jump back in because there's no drops. It's just fun. And you look around like while you're on the ride and you see like the bones that are hanging over, you know, a part of the ride. And then you yeah. see like armadillo or something. There's like things to look at around it. And so that's what I was thinking of. And that's what Emily and I were thinking of when we were building this is like, okay, when they get to this part of the ride, what are the riders seeing? And there's this here. And this it was supposed to be like this ladybug was flying through a garden. So everything is kind of oversized and kind of like a honey, I shrunk the kids theme and yeah. you butterflies and they come around here. And then you go through this tunnel. We had the flowers like arching over the track. So you go through a tunnel of flowers and then like, you know, just things to do. So it's, it's interactive. And we were thinking of the rider the whole time we were building it. We we're like, what would the riders see? And what, you know, what would be their experience? And so I don't have any regrets that that's what we put into this build. I, I think it was, it didn't come down to a loop or not a loop because the loop was never part of the requirements in the first place. The drop was, and we had that. And our, our cart made it all the way around. We didn't get stuck. We didn't have to push it. You know, um, everything worked. It, we met every requirement. And I still feel proud that we put the thought into the ride itself and what the riders would be experiencing. And I, I just think that speaks a lot about who we are. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw someone uh, post on Reddit saying, if you had 500 people go into the room to put in like a token to decide which ride they would think was the best, Kelly and I would have won that challenge. Because ultimately, that's what people like. I want to ride a roller coaster that you see from a mile across the park that looks awesome. Yeah. Christopher and Robert, what they came up with with that lift mechanism was act like absolutely insane. But even Christopher, as we were walking back from finishing to go get a break while the judges got to look deep dives into it, um, Christopher said to me, I think you guys are going to win this one. And I felt so confident going <laughs> into judging i did i felt no fear actually i um i told my husband i'm like we're gonna i think we're gonna be here another week um so don't like you know don't bother coming to visit and so <laughs> it was very unfortunate how it played out for us yeah well just going back to what you said emily you know amy when she was introducing the challenge she said when you go to a real theme park there are icons that get you really excited about the ride and make you actually want to stand in line for hours just to go on it and so i think you know, that was an element to your point that you did better than any team. Um, you know, it's just, I guess it's the other elements that maybe like, I think you said it best earlier, Kelly, where you're like, you know, if there are three criteria, which one is going to be the one that they really care about? You know, is it the theming that you can see from across the park? I mean, Amy did say that one out loud, or yeah. is it the, you know, more of like the, the, uh, when Will says, 
It must contain an, a mechanical lift and an epic stomach turning drop that will give your minifigures the ride of their life. So was it, was it more about the drop? Cause you're like, I could have done a straight down drop if that was going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's the tough part. And, and that's like what I think makes these things even sting for us at home, because like, first of all, like we love you guys. And like, we, like, you know, we, we grow to like be so fond of all these teams. So I wish that, you know, everyone, you know, all 12 or all, you know, every team could make the finale, but um, you know, but this is just the way it goes. But um, like I said, I think you've got an unbelievable amount to be proud of, even from this build. And um, and so I'm curious, though, you mentioned the finale, you know, is the build whatever you want thing. You know, I know sometimes when people get close to the end, they start to think about what they might have built. Um, did you did the two of you have any thoughts about sort of what you would do with the 24 hours and what you would build? Yeah, um, me and Kelly thought a lot about this, about what we would build, what would be you know, deep in our core. Uh, Kelly and I both love books. Kelly likes to read them. I like to listen on Audible. We both have kids. (laughs) We loved reading to our children. Kelly reads a ton. She can tell you about like reading fairy tales and then I'll let her kind of tell about the build that we were thinking of. Yeah, so we both like to read. And actually you asked what we did to prepare a long time ago in the interview. You asked what we did to prepare for Lego Masters and reading was the thing that I did um, to prepare and not just reading Lego uh, books about techniques, but I read children's books, like in order to prepare for Lego masters because of the storytelling elements, the children's books are so strong. And I knew that storytelling was going to be a huge part of Lego masters. I wanted to get really inspired. So I did read a ton of children's books just because I love them. Um, But yeah, (laughs) so we had this, so we wanted to tie in our love of reading with our you know, the reason why we were a team in the first place is because we're moms and we have families and we have kids. And so we were trying to incorporate um, kind of a family theme with books. Um, and we had a great idea of sort of a fairy tale family dinner um, <clears throat> that, you know, they would have come together for this one big family dinner. And we love the ideas of families being whatever you make them. So a family isn't necessarily a mom and dad and two kids, whatever, but it's, these fairy tale characters are each other's families. So a character from different fairy tale books, um, they'd all come together and have a dinner and that is their family because they live in this fairy tale world. And so our theme was gonna be um, family is whatever you make it. And so different families look different to different people, different walks of life, but your family is, is, you know, it's, there's no rules, right. Right. It's just whoever your family is. So we were going to build something to represent that. Um, and it would have been amazing. Oh, I have no doubt. Um, that sounds like a ton of fun. So sort of like the end of Shrek, um, you know, with all the fairy tales. Um, but, um, (laughs) but, but but yeah, I mean that honestly, I would have loved that. Um, and it almost reminds me also of, um, Sam and Jessica's uh, fairy tale build from their season, because um, they sort of were combining a lot of those fairy tale elements. So um, it has some Lego Masters lineage, if you will, um, yeah. the, the fairy tale <laughs> idea. But no, I mean, this, I mean, I, I'm sorry we didn't get to see that because I think that would be amazing. But I think the message I'm glad you shared because I think that's so true. And it goes back even to what you were trying to do with the robot build um, back in the, you know, build it by ear challenge. But you know, we, you know, we got a really great, like sort of goodbye segment with the two of you. And, you know, Emily, you said, you know, I just want to tell any woman or mom that they can chase their dreams and do whatever makes them happy. Kelly, you went on to say, just go for it. It's fun. And that you were just honored to have come this far. And so I'm curious, you know, we we talked a little bit about that in the exit interview that we did together, but like now, like having some distance from the show, you know, what has the response been? You know, like, do you, do you feel like 
you know, that message, you know, whether it was because you said it here or because of the amazing job you did all the episodes hit people in a way that, you know, you were surprised maybe to get the reaction about? So I'll tell you, I went to Legoland, California recently with my family and this lady came up to me and she's like, I'm fangirling so hard and I I know I'm being weird. And I was like, I'm weird. This is awesome. (laughs) And we were like hugging and jumping with each other. And she's like, I'm a mom and I owned a card making business and I had put it on the back end while my kids were growing. But then I watched Lego Masters and like, obviously, like I get teary about things like this, but she's like, I watched you on Lego Masters and you and Kelly and you said that moms can go after their dreams. And she's like, I opened back up my Etsy shop and I'm continuing to make these cards because just because I have dreams of my children for them and alongside them doesn't mean I need to give up on my dreams. And that's really what I wanted to share with my children, with my, it doesn't even need to be a woman or a mother, just like that. go for your dreams and like, you don't know what you're going to get from it. Um, My mom recently gave me a Lego cookie (laughs) that I made literally two years ago before I was heavily into Lego. So it would have been Christmas of 2020. Um, And I, she, I made it and I said, one day, (laughs) this is like so emotional. I said, one day, this is going to mean more than just this little Lego cookie. And I said, one day I'm going to be like a Lego builder. And for Christmas this year, my mom gave it to me and she's like, even though you didn't win or make it to the finals, like you did it. And here you are. And she had kept this cookie all these years. Me. And it's just <laughs> Don't like, eat it. You know, th- that'd I'm be not bad. Gonna eat it. I'm going to spray it all down and hang it on my wall. But it just like, go for your dreams because you just never know. And I'm so grateful that I did this journey with Kelly. I couldn't have asked for a better partner. I think I'm a lot to handle oftentimes. And she was so <laughs> wonderful and managed me so perfectly. You are a lot to handle. (laughs) Well, for me in that final interview, it didn't actually make the edit into the show. But what I said was that what what I took away from doing the show is I learned that I can do hard things because being on the show put me so far out of my comfort zone. Like I didn't I like I told you when they approached me for season, the first season they approached me for I was like, they said, are you interested? I said, Nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, thank you. Like, I'm not right for reality TV. I don't think that's a good fit. I'm, I'm too introverted. That's an extrovert thing to do. Like, I can't be on this show. And then it, it you know, it became more and more of a reality. And even when um, it got close to, they were going to make the final casting call. And I kept asking my family, I'm like, should I do this? I can't even believe we're here in the process. Like, <laughs> what if we get put on the show? And they're like, do it. You can do it. I said, I can't do this. <laughs> like, this is not me. And then here I go and I did it. And it was hard. And I was just proud of myself. You absolutely should be. I mean, I think it takes such courage to, you know, not only put yourself out there, but even like to show who you are, to be vulnerable in that sort of way. And that's like the the reality of reality TV and especially about a show like Lego Masters that I feel like we as like the audience and I I speak in some ways on their behalf, but you know, like I think that's why we're so drawn to this show because because you are real people doing really hard stuff and putting yourself out there and showing us who you are. And that just means so much to us. So I, I appreciate um, you know, you sharing that with us both on the show, but even in this moment. Um, and what it meant, you know, I mean, I, I, I have to read this. I think I read it to you during your, um, your exit interview with me, but Emily, when you said, you know, when you become a mom, our dreams get put on the back burner. And I hope that what women get out of this is that you don't have to give up on your dreams, even though, 
even though uh, even though you have other people's dreams to worry about. And I just think, you know, like what a like that that struck me so hard in the moment. And and I think like even getting to hear it from you now and and hearing that other people have found those sort of things. And, you know, I I'm a new parent and, I, and I'm I, I, I don't want to forget to put myself my dreams, you know, at the forefront you know, and then have to come back to it. I'm going to, I'm going to be not selfish, but I'm going to be thinking about myself and all the dreams I have for our family. So, um, you know, I, I was even inspired and touched by it as I'm a new parent on this journey. Thank you. I loved when me and Kelly were leaving, we held hands and I looked at her and I said, I love you. And she just said, I love you too. We set our mini figs up and said our goodbyes. And Kelly and I came in as friends and we left as better friends. We've gotten opportunities of lifetimes to do wonderful things together and individually because of how we represented ourselves and women and moms and females and whatever you, you know, you fill in your life. And I just hope that we can continue to show that you can be a female mock builder and you can win awards. And we want to still show the girls and women of the world that like we're moms and we're badass. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you definitely showed everyone that. Um, and I think, you know, to your point, like oftentimes the Lego community, while it's very inclusive, you know, there, there's a, a, a severe lack of female builders. And I and I only can imagine the people that you inspired, you know, to to give it a go and to like, you know, like, listen, you may find out you're a Kelly that when you touch the bricks, magic happens and you never knew, um, you know, like we heard uh, at the start of all this. But um you know, so, you know, you mentioned all the opportunities and everything that, that you're looking to do. So, you know, of course, everyone's going to want to know, like, what's next for Emily and Kelly? Like, what is next? Um, either the things you're hoping to do, the things you have already planned to do, the things you're maybe already doing, you know, what's next? So for me, I plan to just go to a, as many events as possible to meet people and share my love of Lego. I'm also in the process of creating a Lego course and kind of going back to my roots of starting Lego from the ground up. I didn't know what an AFOL was. I didn't know what a mock was. Today, I just posted an Instagram reel about snot br bricks. I didn't know what those were. <laughs> so I'm going back to my roots of where I started so I can hopefully help other builders that are fresh out of, you know, freshly new to Lego to find the love that I have because it has changed my entire life. So that's where I am right now. You can find me on Instagram at Emily underscore builds underscore it. Yeah, well, I, I can't wait to see you on the convention scene because Emily, that's how we met. You know, we met at Brick World Chicago and and I, I probably had a similar reaction to, to Kelly meeting you, which you were like, oh, you have a YouTube channel? That's great. I'm going to follow you on everything. And I was like, oh, you don't have to do that. And you're like, no, I'm going to do it. And and you literally did. And so like, that was like my, our first interaction. And so when I saw that you were going to be on the season, I already felt like a connection with you uh, just because of how genuine you were, even in those random fleeting interactions at a convention. So I can't wait for everyone now that you're elevated to Lego master status to get a little bit of that Emily energy as they go to, on the convention scene. But what about you, Kelly? What, what are your thoughts for the future? Yeah, I love that this opportunity has let us go in, in the directions that we each want to go. Like Emily's going to do all her extroverted social, like she's getting out there in the Lego world and <laughs> meeting more people and being very social. And I'm going to do the opposite, not to say that I don't want to talk to people, but what I want to focus on is the building. Like I want to get back to building things. I uh, love building and I I want, a, like I'm in my Lego studio right now and I wish it was bigger. I wish I had more space. I wish I had more drawers. 
So since the show has come out, I've had a lot of opportunities for creating commissions for people, which has been awesome because um, I get to work in my own space by myself, you know, like <laughs> the, in, the introverted me <laughs> likes to just build alone and just get creative and keep making things. And I, you, you, you mentioned about how um, we're an influence to other women and girl, female Lego builders out there. And I just want to keep doing that. And I think the best way for me to do it is just to keep building, like to show, just to get my work out there, to create art, to make commissions, to, you know, do conventions and, and build things to show and to show that women are good builders too. It's not, the Lego community is not just a man's world. So I just want to make sure that there's always a strong female presence out there. And the best way I can think about to do that is to just keep building. I love it. This is a, this is a pro-feminist Lego podcast. I think women are probably better at, at everything, not just Lego building, but, um, but uh, just so excited to hear that. Uh, you know, I think you, you, the two of you were yourselves through and through in the competition, now out of the competition, like you were saying, Kelly. Um, and I'm so excited for that. But, you know, Emily shared her, you know, Instagram. Where can people follow what you're doing, Kelly, you know, as, as you're, you know, showing off all this amazing work? Yes, everything I build, I will post on my Instagram, which is just my name, Kelly Bartlett 31. So um, on Instagram, it's just all one word, Kelly Bartlett 31. And then I'm on Facebook too, but I would say I post more on Instagram. Perfect. Well, that takes us to the end of this podcast and this like amazing uh, journey that the two of you had. So just like I said earlier, like, just thank you so much, you know, for sharing so much with us here and being so generous with your time to tell us, you know, your your part of the story. I think we learned a lot in this episode. So I'm uh, I'm just so grateful to the two of you. Really, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. This was really fun to just go back and relive all these fun moments. Thank you, Michael, so much. Kelly, thanks for spending two hours with me. <laughs> thanks, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> As you could tell, it was so much fun getting to sit down with Emily and Kelly. They are just such a fun duo, and I feel like we learned a ton in this one. And it's because we're having so much fun that I can't wait for our next postseason deep dive. So be sure to stay tuned to make sure you don't miss out on that. And of course, as always, be sure to leave this podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to let your friends who watch this show know about the podcast and all the fun we're having here in the postseason. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. If you want even more Lego content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the Lego news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at Talk Bricks. And if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's Talk Bricks Masters. And on Twitter, it's TB Masters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time. 